Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Dr. Adam Pratt, history professor at University of Scranton, specializing in the age of Andrew Jackson and Native American history, and author of Toward Cherokee Removal, Land, Violence, and the White Man's Chance. Let's hear what he has to say about the Trail of Tears. Hi, Dr. Pratt. Adam, I'm so sorry. Adam. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for the invitation. So can you tell us a little bit about your new book, Toward Cherokee Removal, and uh, what it explores? Yeah, sure. So the new book, Toward Cherokee Removal, was just published uh, this month uh, with the University of Georgia Press. And um, it explores like the two decades prior to Cherokee removal uh, in what is now uh, the state of Georgia. Um, at the time, it was, you know, sovereign Cherokee territory, and the state of Georgia uh, took it over, essentially, uh, through a variety of legal and extra-legal means, um, and used a whole lot of violence to accomplish that. So that's essentially uh, what my book is about, is about how the state used violence to acquire um, Cherokee territory. 
I'm sure our listeners will be very interested in that, especially um, after our conversation uh, about the Trail of Tears. Now, before we go into the events um, that brought us the Trail of Tears, I, I think it's important for our listeners to understand some of the harsh realities of this tragedy. Um, can you just take us through what the experience was like for those who were forced to take the journey out west, and how did it vary between the different nations? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So I should preface this by saying I'm more of a specialist with the Cherokees, but I'll try and sort of generalize. Um, so with the Cherokees, what happened is that the military and a variety of state militias first built... Um, essentially stockades that housed or, or corralled the Cherokees. Um, and this started in 1837 into 1838. Um, and so the military essentially went house to house and removed Cherokees from their homes. They weren't allowed to bring any sort of personal property with them. Um, and then they were housed in these open-aired stockades for, for weeks. Uh, there was also a drought going on, a, a really severe drought at the time. So um, the elderly and the young suffered pretty tremendously in these stockades. Um, and then, and they, you know, the army sort of bungled supplying them with, with meals, essentially. Um, so you know, just this experience in these stockades, I think, is one that we we have to sort of include when we talk about the Trail of Tears, um, that it's, you know, also this imprisonment or confinement that starts the experience. And then when the actual, like, removal west begins, um, it happened really slowly uh, for a variety of political reasons that the the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, who you uh, discussed in your in your podcast, John Ross, he eventually makes a deal with Martin Van Buren saying, like, how about you let the Cherokees actually control their own sort of convoys out to Indian territory or what's now Oklahoma? Um, but in spite of that, the army is there. Um, from the get-go, sort of escorting Cherokees, and it's it's really rough. Uh, a lot of these journeys took place over winter, um, and so they're malnourished to begin with, and then they are forced to walk in many cases. Um, sometimes they're put on board steamships to sort of speed the journey up. Um, but yeah, so the, the army was really the only institution in American life that had the organizational capacities to, to do this. Um, so it was responsible for Cherokee removal. Um, and it's, you know, we, we don't know for certain how many Native people died on the Trail of Tears. Um, we anticipate or we, you know, estimate that it's, uh, for the Cherokees, it's between two and four thousand, um, but you know there were roughly sixteen thousand Cherokees at the time, so we're talking a quarter of the population died. Wow! Um, so it's it's a brutal process. It's it's a process that happens because of um, you know a lot of political and sort of 
um, bureaucratic reasons that that make it worse than it than it needed to be if it needed to happen at all. Um, so. Yeah. So let's kind of get into that. Um, the, so the struggle of stealing uh, American native land goes way back to the start of colonialism. Um, but what happens in the post-American revolution and uh, George Washington era, um, I, I'm asking you what happens in the post-American revolution and George Washington era that creates a shift for for many of the native nations? Yeah. So it's it's really complicated because there were some native nations that allied themselves with the United States during the revolution and some did not. Um, and that happened for a variety of reasons. Um, however, it was very apparent to most native peoples that after the British were expelled from what's now the United States, that life for them was going to get worse because there wasn't really a check on American westward expansion. Um, so, so the Washington administration, its official policy is the civilization policy. And we shouldn't like mince words about this. That the civilization policy's goal was to destroy Native American ways of life. It was to, to get rid of their, their culture, their, their spiritual and religious beliefs, their um, village and town and clan structures, and to replace it with, you know, sort of American ways of life. So that's adopting Christianity, that's speaking, reading, and writing in English, um, that's adopting Republican forms of government, um, and then uh, you guys did a great job of, of discussing this on, on the podcast, but with um, adopting sort of farming that men would be responsible for. And this was a huge shift in most Native societies that were matriarchal and that most women were in charge of agriculture. Um, and so there were these gender roles that were in many cases, timeless, that the Washington administration is trying to, to eradicate. Um, and the purpose of that was, on the surface, it's to, what they say is that they want to make Native peoples fit to become American citizens. Um, and so these are sort of the prerequisites that the Washington administration sets out. Um, but, you know, underneath that, there's this idea that we need to get their land uh, and we need to open up as much land as possible. And the best way to do that is to destroy the sovereignty of the various tribes that have this land. Um, so there, there's a number of ways that you can, you can interpret like what the Washington administration is up to. Like, are they really benevolent people who just want to save souls or are they just, you know, doing a, a backhanded way of, of, of acquiring land. So. so then Andrew Jackson comes along. Why is he such a popular candidate for presidency? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, Jackson is, is really interesting. Uh, I mean, he's violent and, well, violent, yeah. Um, but he essentially campaigns... Um, on the fact that he's he's not gonna like 
continue the civilization policy, he's he's going to practice Indian removal. And what that means is he's just going to relocate Native Americans to someplace west of the Mississippi, um, and that that land will then be given to American settlers. Um, and so he's wildly popular for this. And the other thing that's that's happening, like Jackson comes along at a really important time. So in the early 1820s, what is happening is that more and more states are giving more and more white men the right to vote. Um, so prior to the 1820s, to be a voter, uh, you had to own a certain amount of property. Um, so by changing and by democratizing the electorate in a lot of ways, you're sort of letting these people who didn't have a say before now have a say in what policies the government is going to enact. And so the, the expansion of the electorate on the one hand and, and Jackson sort of, sort of collide. Um, so I, I was, I, I was like, when I was listening to the podcast, I was like, no, you have to talk about democracy. <laughs> <You're-> democracy. <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now. I, <laughs> you don't understand. I, uh, of course. Well, now that's that's all making sense. I, for some reason, uh, and I think maybe a lot of people will share this with me. I didn't realize that you know white settlers weren't just like automatically given the right to vote. Um, I, 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 huge oversight. Huge oversight. <laughs> <laughs> well, this but, is what I do. You know. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> but like, of course, and then if if the getting the right to vote has more to do with, you know, the more land that you have, then of course, they're going to want land. And of course, they're mm-hmm. going to want to support um, this guy who's offering that to them. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So, um, so it really unleashes like all of our worst tendencies as, as voters, like, oh, here's a guy who's gonna, you know, just get rid of all of these native people and open up all of this land. So poor people like me will now have, have a chance to, to, to make it, you know, to pursue the American dream. And that's, you know, that's sort of the double edged sword here of the American dream is that the way they conceive of it in the Jacksonian period is that we're going to expand opportunities for white folks but those opportunities are going to come by, you know, removing Native Americans, by expanding slavery. Um, and so it comes on the backs of, of black and brown Americans. So it's heavy. <laughs> heavy. Yeah. And yeah. so, okay. So once the Indian Removal Act is signed, uh, how, how do things change for the Choctaw, the Creek, the Chickasaw, the Cherokee, and the Seminole Nations? And how did the different nations view their situations? You know, I don't want to do like a blanket statement. I know you're a, uh, an expert on more on Cherokee, but if you could. Yeah. Go so um, I will say that initially life in Indian territory or what is now Oklahoma is, is bad. Um, there's a tremendous amount of suffering the couple first couple of years. And that's for a variety of reasons. Um, some of that is due to sort of negligence on the part of the U.S. government. They are supposed to be paying 
um, these Indian nations money for taking their land, essentially. And Martin Van Buren um, held up some of those payments. So the tribes don't have enough money to, to like buy the things they need once they get to, to Indian territory to like restart their, their lives. On top of that, um, the, the, the Creek and the Cherokees in particular, they, they go through really sort of tumultuous civil wars of their own. Um, so the, the people in the Cherokee Nation, the treaty party that signed the Treaty of New Echota in 1835, that essentially sealed the deal for Indian removal. Um, those, many of those people were murdered um, by Cherokees who did not want to leave. Uh, so there's, you know, um, sort of clan-based retaliations that were that were traditional sort of uh, Cherokee forms of, of punishment that are being meted out. There's also, you know, violence among the Creeks. Um, they go after the the leader of the Creek Nation, William McIntosh. Um, he was killed in Georgia before removal even happened. And then some of those those violent retaliations from people who didn't want to leave uh, their ancestral homelands, um, you know, they they sort of retaliated as well. So there's a you know internal civil wars when they when they arrive in Indian territory. So this is compounding, you know, the this huge demographic loss that they've experienced, this huge sort of social and cultural trauma that they've experienced. Now there's these internal fights that are raging um, where people are literally, you know, being killed in their homes. Um, so it's, it's not good. On top of that, complicating all of that mm -hmm. is that these quote unquote five civilized tribes from the American South um, were also slave owners. Several, you know, they, they own slaves. Uh, and that was all a part of the like acculturation process that a lot of uh, Cherokee and Creek and Choctaw elites were buying slaves to try and, you know, make profit and also to sort of like fit in with, with American society. There are a variety of reasons for this, but um, so you also have this enslaved population that, um, for them, you know, they're the lowest of the low here, even even in native society. Um, so this native enslaved population also is experiencing these hardships. Um, and, you know, they're still legally enslaved. So there's, you know, a variety of layers to this. And, and something I didn't realize was that they also participated in the Trail of Tears. They went with their owners. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I don't know as much about the, the, the enslaved population's experiences. I think as historians, I think we still have some work to do to, to uncover some of those stories. I know there are some um, native scholars and journalists who are, who are trying to highlight those things, but um, those politics even now are still really complicated in um, the Cherokee and Creek and Choctaw nations. So it's, it's very fraught even now. Wow. 
Okay, so since I have you here, I have to ask you about the state of Georgia. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was a hotbed for unlawful practices toward the removal of the Cherokee people. What were some of these practices? Yeah, so the most important thing that the state did, um, well, it passed two laws in the state legislature. One that's called the extension law. It, it essentially said, well, we are extending our sovereignty over the Cherokee Nation. Um, and then the other one was called the supremacy law that basically said the, the Cherokee national government is, is no longer allowed to meet or to like do anything um, that it says that it wants to do. So it can't like collect tolls. It can't guard its borders. It can't arrest people. Um, its tribal government, the, the state of Georgia, made it illegal for the tribal government even to meet. So it's, um, and so there are a variety of, you know, Supreme Court cases about the legality of this. The Supreme Court says, yeah, you can't really do this. Um, Andrew Jackson, who is supposed to enforce the laws, um, chooses not to, essentially, and, and sort of gives the green light for the state to do whatever they want. Um, so on top of those laws, the state creates this paramilitary group called the Georgia Guard that literally just rides around um, intimidating, beating, arresting, um, oftentimes forcibly taking um, usually women from their homes and putting them in wagons and saying, like, you're, you're leaving now. Um, so it was this concerted effort to intimidate and terrorize Cherokees to, to expel them. Um, and then outside of Georgia and the Cherokee Nation, um, we know that state courts are doing a lot to strip Native peoples of their rights. Um, so this happened in Alabama and Tennessee and Mississippi. And then settlers were, were the other real problem here is that they would just show up and say this, I'm, I'm going to live here now and you can try and kick me out. Um, and because these new state laws that these Southern states were passing um, prevented people of color from testifying against whites in court. They, they, there were no, there was no legal redress for them to like reclaim property or anything like that. Wow. Um, so it's, it's just this systemic abuse of power and the law to, to completely sort of undermine any sort of rights that Cherokees or the Cherokee nation or, or other Indian peoples in the South had. Um, so it's it's just a systemic campaign that lasted, you know, 20 or 30 years. Now, these after everything they went through, were these treaties respected after their relocation? Um, well, I. No. Yeah. So the, the primary thing is that the government was. Uh oh. Are you there? Okay, sorry. Um, the government was supposed to provide um, annuities to, to pay the government or to pay the tribes every year. Um, Martin Van Buren holds off on that for a long time and um, refuses to do it. His predecessor finally does. 
Um, the other thing that the uh, various removal treaties stipulated is that the people who were removed um, could file a claim with the government for all of the property that they lost, and the government was supposed to compensate them for that. And so there were um, claims commissions in 1839 and in 1841 or 42, and to the best of my knowledge, those were never paid. Um, so they sent millions of dollars worth of claims to the to Congress, and as far as I can tell, the Congress has not compensated um, those Cherokees for that. Wow. So. Okay, so at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or a thing to blame for the Trail of Tears, it could be a concept, who or what would that be? Um, I, would, I would blame the, the spirit of democracy in America. <laughs> that, would, that would be sort of my uh, whipping boy here is, is that it's this – this idea that, you know, white men are equal and nobody else is, and the government should support that form of equality. So, Wow. That's going to be a tough one to put in the alarmist jail, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we should specify it's the spirit of um, uh, democracy in 1830s. Yeah. Jacksonian democracy. Yes. That? Jackson okay. That works. Democracy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Oh my gosh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today and really helping us understand uh, more about this terrible tragedy that happened in our country that we know very little about um, just from public school education. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca, it's, it's been great. Thanks so much. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hello, everyone. What did you guys think about Adam Pratt? Wow, I'm so happy we got him on the show. He was very enlightening. It's always so scary to me when the experts have listened to the episode, but he was so nice about it. And oh my gosh, so smart. And that was a great conversation. And I have a lot of notes that I took that we need to talk about. I took mental notes. Okay. And that's when I use my air pen and I write them down next to my head. Um, so I'm going to have to check where I left those because I'm honestly, I think I may have misplaced them. But, okay. <laughs> but I also thought Adam was, I mean, that was just, yes, very enlightening. And uh, I'm sure the, 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 big, the big issue he brought up that's on all our minds that we have to discuss. I know. I know. I don't want to say it. Not on this podcast. What? I what? think we're thinking about the same thing. Should we all try to say it at the same time? Yes. One, okay, one, two, two three. three. Jackson is like Trump. <laughs> oh, go ahead. What, what? I mean, wow. I saw a lot of correlations, uh, but I, I'm not going to even. We're not going to even waste our time. Uh, talking about them. Well, that is very interesting. And also this idea of Jackson sort of activating the poor whites and what that can kind of do to people of color. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, there's a, Jackson was an opportunist is what it, Mm. what I I, I took away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I read in some, uh, I forget where, but after he became president, his big thing, number one, his wife died while campaigning from stress. That was something I read that was crazy. Jackson's? Jackson wa- Jackson's wife, yes. Wow. I mean, that does seem like a made up, like... <laughs> 1800s thing of she died from stress it's like maybe there is a little consumption happening oh maybe i don't know we have to get get adam back on the horn poisoning (laughs) um but she died uh like the right before he either won the election or right after anyway she was she had already passed away when he got into the white house and something he did was he just like opened the doors for like the you know, regular white settlers who were around and they just came in and like trashed the White House and like had a party. And it got 
It was supposedly like out of control. And, you know, the, he, it was supposed to be his way of being like, I'm the people's president, you know, mm. but it, it, it definitely. It's like that picture of Trump with all those McDonald's boxes when he had the college, <laughs> role, the college uh, championship. Is that what you're talking about? I guess, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought what was fascinating was his correlation of uh, landowning means you get to vote, means you get to participate in the democracy. So dangling that in front of people where they're like, well, how can I become a landowner when all that land is, or that land next door to me is owned by um, the quote unquote savages. Um, I should get that land. That way I can vote. And then dangling that as 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 incentive, of course you're going to be a pop. You're going to be popular in that case. And just the, how broken that whole idea is that you don't get a say in what happens in your own country unless you own a certain amount of land. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that crazy. I mean, I, I, I was blown away. I honestly was blown away. I for some reason that never clicked. I never heard that part of history. Well, yeah, and just how I think it's something we kind of miss too of like really understanding the importance of land and what being a landowner meant back then. It all starts to contextualize, you know. Um, and I've just never thought of democracy as a bad thing. You always <laughs> think of it as like moving toward equality. But when the only people who can participate are white people, and who are landowners at that, I mean, I it was very interesting that um, Adam wanted to blame spirit of democracy and then it called it Jacksonian democracy, which is great. Yeah, because, of course, everything is context, right? And so yeah. if everyone, not everyone is allowed to participate in democracy, well, that's not a functional system because not everyone's voice is being heard and we're all living together, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... They, I, I'm just so glad we were able to talk about that because that was a huge oversight, especially on my part. Huge oversight. And just the, uh, yeah. the and just the just westward expansion and just um, American sort of uh, manifest destiny being so innate in who we are that they literally framed it as because you remember, remember he talked about Washington, right? And Washington's whole thing was quote, um, enculturation. So we're going to make them more like us because basically the, the, the core framing was that these people are a problem. The fact that they have the land and are near us are, that is a problem. Like we can't just allow them to peacefully exist draw barriers and let them, you know, we have to sort of deal with this problem because of our sort of natural need to sort of sp- spread our uh, country. Or, you know, our need like, for greed. Our need for the greed. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I can I read through my list of some things that I wrote down um, we might want to add to the board? And just to remind everyone, we sent Andrew Jackson to jail, which I think s- might still stand. Might but, still um, stand, yeah. And then, of course, we went slap happy. So we slapped the founding big boys, the patriarchy, dehumanization. And I think we slapped Martin Van Buren. That's right. Possibly I think too. we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody slapped so a lot Van Buren. Of, a lot of people got slapped. Um, but some of the things, uh, and Chris, you kind of touched on some of these that uh, Adam said that we might consider adding was westward expansion, manifest destiny, which I can't believe we didn't put up on the board. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, 
gender roles, which of course is an alarmist favorite that we we did put something to that effect. We put the patriarchy, but gender roles. Yeah. Um, the American Dream, another alarmist favorite that we did we did not put up on the board. Um, democratizing the vote, which sounds like a good thing, but obviously had issues. Land, just land in general, and then the systematic abuse of power, the systemic abuse of power, and the law. Yes. I mean, these are all really good things that should have been up on the board. I also want to add something he said really struck me, uh, which was he was talking about our worst tendency as voters. He mm. talked about how the, the, the settlers, the white settlers, I, I guess, it, you know, I think what he's referring to is just caring about what's in it for you and not thinking of the bigger picture. And I think that's what he meant by just our worst tendency as a voter. Well, I think that they were single issue voters back then. And the single issue was land. Show that's, me that land. That's very dangerous. Single issue voters. <laughs> like they can be. <laughs> they definitely can be. Um, and that's sort of part of the trick of, you know, the big old magic trick of this whole democracy is that you can, you know, as long as you can make enough promises to enough single issue voters, um, just like uh, our president did, um, that can carry you that can carry the day. Um, if you promise to put, say, conservative judges on the court or you promise to say build a wall somewhere in Texas right, or right. whatever he was saying he was going to do that he never did. <laughs> Another thing, it's, yeah, yeah, go on, Amanda. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's just so crazy how these uh, tragedies, it just over and over again proves like the conceit of the podcast that these things are so relevant. Right. Who knew that, you know, 1830s politics would be such a parallel to our 2020? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, but yeah, that's totally true. It's like, why, why research history, right? Like, why learn about the past? Well, it's really hard to tell what's going on in the present day, right? There's so much news and information being thrown at you and so many people telling you different ways to look at that information that sometimes looking back at history helps you understand context and situations that are being repeated. So, you know, history in a way is a way of learning more about what we're going through today. We can't keep sort of doing running into these same cycles. And that's what I call exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're being really smart today. <laughs> yeah, we need to dumb it down a little bit. <laughs> like sometimes we aren't that smart, but today I think Adam rubbed off on us, and we're, we're being very smart. And, but look, but before I, I don't want this to go unsaid because now I have this thing against Van Buren, and I'm going to hold on to it uh, because Ooh. he seems once again a despicable character. Uh, Adam talked about him holding off the money uh, that was supposed to be given to these people who the native people who had been re, who had relocated and were waiting to start over and like the inhumanity that you know that 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 just encompasses and and shows is really despicable i'm on you van buren well, we got to find some other way to get him in jail. I'm sure he did something else horrible. I don't know. We don't know much about him. 
Mm, How about uh, I want to I want to also throw in one extra big slap. Did you do you remember when he described the Georgia gang or whatever that? Oh, the militia. Yeah, that was called the Georgia Guard. The Georgia Guard, who just was a group of citizens who just went around terrorizing native the native people on their land and just just as a way to aggravate them and get them to leave, like. Oh, boy. If that Georgia guard was around today, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Despicable. <laughs> They'd be in trouble. <laughs> Do you, wanna, you can slap them, Chris. I, I think, right, Rebecca? Yeah. Did look, this is it? an episode where we're slapping. We get to slap. We get to get three more slaps now. We keep looking, after in, the, this aftermath. We keep looking in the slap box and finding more slaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if if I think that Jackson is going to still go to the alarmist jail. But yes. I think, you know, what uh, what I'm comforted by is that with him, he's taking, like, once Jackson goes to the alarmist jail, it's going to be hard to, like, continue that Jacksonian democracy spirit. <laughs> so That's I'm hoping that that kills it, right? So you don't want to uh, slap democracy? Yeah, we're going to slap democracy. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Even after this week or last week? Well, we're going to slap Jacksonian democracy. Yeah, the spirit of Jacksonian democracy—it's getting slapped, and um, I, I'm just going to call it. I, I'll call that one for myself, and you guys will get your own slaps. Um, the spirit of Jacksonian democracy—you're getting another big slap. Now, who do you guys want to call? Uh, well, Chris, you know yours, right? The Georgia Guard. Hey, yeah, the Georgia Guard. But maybe I'll think of another one. But hey, but in the meantime, Georgia Guard—you're getting the big slap. Nice. Okay, and I think I want to slap the American dream. <laughs> okay. Because I think it promotes too much individualism. Oh, okay. Um, okay, the American dream, you're getting the big slap. <laughs> Amanda did the slap gesture, just so everyone yeah. knows. She, she looked up to the ceiling. Amer- she imagined, she imagined, it, imagined yeah. the dream. <laughs> she, she looked up, imagined the dream, and whipped her little wrist. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was like kind of a, a dainty slap. It was like a I have dainty glo- little, gloves on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dual slap. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a very so, condescending slap. <laughs> they always are. <laughs> um, do we feel settled on the Trail of Tears? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, there's still so much to learn. Well, I thought it was, you know, I don't know who said this last week, but it was, uh, I feel like we can do a lot. With right. just the Native American area and, and yeah. the, probably more even on the Trail of Tears itself. So. I mean, I want to look into the New Echota Treaty, Treaty of leave, New Echota. Let's leave the trial case file open. We'll leave it open <laughs> okay. on the desk in case we want to root around in there ever again and kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good I think plan. that's a smart idea. Yeah. Um, so just a quick order of business. Okay. I know we put out a call to the Alarmy to rate and review the podcast Um and post on Instagram so we would someone, some lucky Alarmy member will win a piece of merch. Um, Rebecca, how has that been going? Have, has anyone done it? Yes, we've had a few uh, entries into the drawing. Um, uh, some, you know, very loyal uh, listeners. And uh, but there's still time. Not until deadline is November 17. So there's still time for you to get that review in. Send us a snapshot, and and we'll put you in the drawing. And again, you can choose whatever 
you want from I mean maybe not the sterling bracelet oh okay Ooh, no you can have bracelet? it if you want yeah. a sterling bracelet yeah. you can have a sterling bracelet we'll spare no expense the, yes and I just um I also want to say I want to ask people to in the reviews an idea that was brought up by another listener was uh you can leave us what your favorite episode is that you've listened to. I think that would be interesting for people to read because then they can scroll through all the episodes and based on your recommendation, there's a starting place for new listeners. I think that's really cool. Um, Okay, well, tune in next week. We're going to be discussing the death of Princess Diana. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.